Wonderful counselor, almighty God, Prince of Peace. Lord Jesus, there's nothing like your presence. The very mention of your name, atmospheres change. Jesus. The splendor.
You know, this morning, the one that we've been singing about, He's the King of the universe. He's the Creator. He's our Heavenly Father. And yet this morning, do we realize who He is? We're seeing things take place now that was foretold thousands of years ago because He said His Word would not return to Him void. And whatever He's spoken over your life or the things that He's spoken to you, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank because He's Almighty God. This morning, let's sing that chorus one more time and let's just worship Him. How great Thou art. Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we praise you and we exalt you because you're there. You've never left us or forsaken us, but you've been faithful. And Lord, for it all, we praise you because it's in your name we ask. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we take it for granted. That, um, yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I would have forgot. Amen. Children, you can be 
dismiss this time for Children's Church. Thank you, brother. Hey, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, it's different from being sitting back there than being up here. Oh, man, the things that uh, you go and you think about and then you forget. Praise God. It's good to see brother and sister Sisk here this morning. Been praying for you, brother. Bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I say it over and over and over and over and over again. And if you're in my Sunday school class, you hear it all the time. How faithful God is and how good God is. And you know something? You can't seem to say it enough. And that last song there, how great thou art. I can see us in heaven before Him, bowing down and crying out to Him, Lord, how great Thou art. Thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for being true. It wasn't just empty promises, but it was what You gave us and what You told us about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves us. He loves us and He cares about us. As I was preparing for the sermon this morning... And saying, Lord, what is it you want me to preach on? And the thought just kept coming back and back and back. And, and it was on decisions, decisions, decisions. My wife said, why didn't you preach on end times? <laughs> and I'd have loved to. We've been seeing how God told us about everything that's taking place. And isn't it amazing, that little old country? And I found out in the last week or so, you could fit seven countries the size of Israel inside the state of Florida. That's how small it is. But the whole world is focused on Israel. Isn't it amazing? It never surprised the Lord because that's what He told us thousands of years ago, that He was going to end up, things was going to end up there. But this morning, the message that kept coming back, and I couldn't get away from it, was this. What about decisions? Every one of us have decisions to make, day in, day out. It don't matter what it is. When you was a teenager, you was worried about, oh, who will I date or who will I marry? What kind of car do I want? What color do I want? All these different things. What about your career? Now, I do have a question this morning. How many of you ended up working or doing what you thought you was going to do when you was in the eighth or ninth grade? <laughs> one, okay, two, all right. As for me, I had no idea. But I will tell you this, that God was faithful. And sometimes God changes your plans. And you think, oh, I'm going to do this. And then He turns things around. But the decisions we have to make, and how do we make those decisions? All right? One of the toughest decisions every weekend is, where are we going to go eat? <laughs> Nobody else has that problem, right? You ask your wife, what do you want? She says, well, what do you want? Okay, every weekend, same decisions, decisions, decisions. What are we going to do? But if you will, if you've got your Bible, and I hope you do this morning, turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9. And the Lord here was saying through Isaiah, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And I'm reading out of King James. All right. Uh, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon 
For as my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There was a young man who graduated college. And he said, you know, I want to go into business. And I wanted to be successful, so what will I do? And he went and he found him a businessman who had been very successful. And he went up to him and he said, Sir, I'd like to ask you a question. What did you do to become so successful? And the businessman said, I made good decisions. <laughs> he went on and he says, Okay, that sounds good. You make good decisions. But how was it that you knew or how was it that you could make good decisions? And he said, experience. (laughs) He went on, he said, well, that sounds good, and I can understand making good decisions and experience, but how did you make, or how did you get that experience? And the the older man said, by making mistakes, making bad decisions. (laughs) And every one of us could fall into that same category. Anybody in here ever made a bad decision? You'd like to have a do-over? <laughs> oh, if I could just do it over. You know, and how many of us get to that situation? A lot of us have learned through the school of hard knocks by trial and error and so on. But this morning, I want to share with you three different situations, three different people. And although in the Bible, I, there was a whole slew of folks that I could have mentioned this morning who made decisions, whether they be good decisions, bad decisions, whatever they were. But I want to talk to you this morning about decisions. The first one here was taken in. If you have your Bibles, please feel free to follow along. I'm not used to having things like Brother Zeno has and this sort of thing. That just has never been me. But anyways, we're going to follow along. Or if you've got your Bibles, follow along with me. In Genesis chapter 13, there was two men. One was named Abram. And this morning I'll probably call him Abraham many times before. But, and then there was another man who was actually his nephew and his name was Lot. He said, what in the world? How does that come about when you're talking about decisions? But we see here that Abraham wanted to follow God and be led by God. And as a matter of fact, he set out for a land that was where the builder and maker was God. All right? Had a long trip. The Bible tells us that in that second verse here, that Abraham was a very rich man, and he was very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold. And his nephew, it tells us in verse 5, it says, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And they end up getting to the place where God brought them in Bethel, around Canaan. And because they had so many cattle and herdsmen and family members, extended family and so on, they kind of began to ruffle each other's feathers. and They kind of brought strife in there. That never happens in big families, does it? (laughs) Always the things that are going on. And yet we see here there came a point in time where Abraham had to say, Lot, come here, let's talk, son. Let's talk about this thing. He says, we don't want strife in our family. We don't want problems. We don't want situations. So let's make a decision here. He says, let's separate. All right? You go one way and I'll go the other. He said, if you choose what's on the left hand, I'll go for the right. And if you want what's on the right, then I'll take the left. But I'm going to let you make the decision. And the Bible tells us that Lot, he looked out over there and 
looked out all over the plain, the plain of Jordan. And he said, you know something, uncle? He says, I think I want to go down there through the plain of Jordan. And the Bible tells us that as he looked out there over that plain, it was green, it was watered, it was great. And he thought, boy, that'd be great for my herds, you know. And what he thought he was doing was taking the best that there was. Sometimes it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of what we perceive in our own mind. And beyond the plain of Jordan, as we know, because we know the rest of the story, okay, was that there was Sodom. And maybe he saw Sodom just a big city, right? The lights, the whole thing. They got a Walmart. They got all the eating places. They got all the, the condos, all this stuff. He said, Man, my wife would like that. She's tired of living in a tent. So here they were. He thought he was making the right decision by going towards Sodom. All right? And we see that everything was good. But God turned around and blessed Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to look around here. He said, everything that you can see, it's yours. It's yours. And God blessed him. Maybe it wasn't as green and lush or whatever, but God took care of Abraham. And we see here that in verse 12 it says that, um, that, Ab- that uh, it says, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. All right? Verse 13 goes on to say, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Wow. You ever moved to a place and you thought you was doing good? Boy, my kids will have good schools. They'll have all this. This is going to be great. I wanted to get there. And it's a little bit different than what you had planned on. And we see here that, that uh, Lot, I don't know exactly where he stood with God. We know where Abraham stood, but Lot, uh, maybe he was kind of on the, the fence, so to speak. And it don't seem like it bothered him very much as we go on through the story because he went down there and he dwelled among the Sodomites. That was that. He knew what was going on, but rather than getting up and saying, you know something, this ain't quite what we expected. Let's go ahead and move back. Let's go see Uncle Abraham and talk to him and see if we can renegotiate this thing. But we go back and we see here where Lot stayed. Lot stayed. His decision was based on the looks and on his perception and all this. But once he got there, it was different. We see over in Genesis chapter 14, though, where his decision didn't really pan out that well. And we see where there was four kings that came down and they invaded Sodom and fought against the king of Sodom. And he ended up taking Lot captive. Wow. And some of the other Sodomites, he took them and their spoil and and all. And word got back to Abraham. Word got back to Abraham that Lot had been captured. Taken. It's always good to have godly parents and godly family, those that can intercede for you. And yet we see here that Abraham went and he said, you know something, we ain't playing this game. The Bible tells us that Abraham formed his own little army of 318 men and they went down there and he took away Lot and all the captives from Sodom and their spoil and he took them, delivered them and brought them back to the king of Sodom. All right? You would have thought by then Lot would have said, hmm, maybe I need to rethink some things. But we see where he stayed All right? 
And if you go on over a few extra chapters to about Genesis 18 and 19, and I'm sorry, Brother Eric, I, just, <laughs> I told you I don't stick right with it. But here we go back and we see that in chapters 18 and 19, where the angel of the Lord appeared unto Abraham. And I told you Abraham was a godly man, and Abraham interceded and so on. And that angel told uh, Abraham, Abraham, I'm fixing to destroy Sodom. You know, everything out there is wicked. Everything's going on. And I've had enough. And I don't have to put up with it. (laughs) And so he said, listen, this is it. I'm going to destroy them. But Abraham, being the man that he was, looked out and he said, you know something, Lord, would you spare Sodom? Would you spare Sodom if we can find 50 righteous people? God said, sure, I'll spare it if you can find 50. We go on down through and we see where Abraham was still trying to negotiate the deal with God and said, God, listen, if we can find 10, 10 righteous people. I guess he figured maybe it would be Lot and his wife, his two daughters, their two husbands, and maybe a couple other people and Sodom could be spared. But we know the end of the story right here and there that they couldn't even find ten righteous people. But because of Abraham's interceding, we see where God went and sent an angel down to escort Lot and his family out. Wow. He interceded so much and pleaded with God. God went ahead and said, listen, there's not ten righteous here, but I will spare Lot and his wife and family. The reason I can say I don't really know where Lot stood was because when Lot went and told his son-in-laws, listen, God's already told me that he's fixing to destroy Sodom and we need to get out of here, that his son-in-laws laughed at him. Can you believe that? It's kind of like the world today where we keep saying Jesus is coming back soon. God is fixing to take care of this old world and it's fixing to get really, really bad. All right, some people say it's already really bad, but God said it's going to get worse. All right, but as we go back through here and we see that, um, that the angel went down there, talked to them. This was the night before they were going to bring destruction. And he says, okay, get ready, get ready. Everybody should have been packing their bug out bags and their little suitcases and getting ready to go. But you know something? It tells us right there in uh, uh, verse 16, chapter 19. The next morning when they should have been getting ready to go, that they were lingering around, just taking it easy. Oh, you want breakfast first? You want to do this? You want to do that? Knowing that God is fixing to destroy the city. But the Bible tells us that they lingered. So much so that the angels that came to uh, escort them out actually had to take them by the hands and lead them out. Said, come on, it's time to go. It's time to go. When will they ever learn? When will they ever learn? And we go on and we see here where the angels was leading them out. And as they got outside the city, the angels said, don't look back now. Don't look back. Keep going. Set your eyes straight. Don't look back. Is that simple enough? What part don't you understand? Don't look back. But we see that as they were going there, you find out where their hearts actually were. Especially old Mrs. Lot. Mrs. Lot, that's my home. 
That's everything that, you know, I've ever known here these last few years. It's been good. Everything, you know, to her it may have seemed good. And she looked back after she was told not to. And the Bible tells us she turned into a salt lick, okay? That's Georgia for a pillar of salt. Anyways, as we go back through here, how many times has God said, listen, I'm setting you on the straight and narrow. I'm setting you straight. I want you to go this way. Don't look back. Don't look back. Do what I've told you to do. You'll be safe. Everything's fine. The decision that Lot made years before was this. Oh, it all looks good out there. It's green. Everything's good. It's the big city. We're looking for that kind of atmosphere. This is what we want. All right? But because of it, he lost two son-in-laws. He lost his wife. Almost lost his daughters. Okay? And it went on. We're not told after that what really happened a lot. I don't know if he ever went back and said, you know something, I need to listen to my Uncle Abraham because he had it right. The Bible don't tell us what took place after that. But here he is. He would have never made it had that uncle not interceded for him. Okay? They'd have never made it out. They'd have been lost too. How important is it for us as parents and grandparents and and family members to intercede and pray for the others when they're making bad decisions. You know, what about when we've made bad decisions? Hopefully, we had a praying grandmother. Actually, a couple of praying grandmothers. And I tell you what, there's times when they said, stick close to God. Stick close to God. Grandma, I'm serving God. This is it. We, you know, even after I went into the ministry, she'd say, hang in there with God. And I thought, Grandma, you know. <laughs> okay, but here it is. What decisions are we going to make for ourselves? Are we going to dare to uh, believe God and trust in Him? Or are we going to continue on making those decisions that may look good in our own eyes? It brought me back to another story. I remember years ago, Oh, man, there was this Cadillac. And, I, you know, anybody like Cadillacs? You know, I thought I did. (laughs) When we got down there, oh, man, I found this Cadillac. It was the prettiest thing you ever wanted to see. Dark metallic blue, fully loaded the whole bit. Got in there. We made the deal. Left the parking lot. Three hours later, it was on a tow truck headed back to the shop. What in the world? It looked good. Prettiest lemon you ever wanted to see. Anyways, here it was. You know, it was there. After that, that was it. I had enough, you know. But the thing was, a matter of perception, what you saw was not what you got. All right? So this morning, I'm saying to you this way. Let's learn from bad decisions. The next situation I want to mention is two other women that you know of, Naomi and Ruth. Oh, brother, you know, I'm not telling you the whole story on all these, but I'm just trying to show you how the decisions that we make will affect us for our life, the rest of our life. As we go back through here, we see that Naomi and um, Elimelech, there we go, all right, had lived in Bethlehem, but there was a famine. And how many of you know when you get hungry, you'll go someplace to get some food one way or the other. The Bible tells us that that Naomi and Elimelech had gone down to the city of Moab. There was food there. And they decided, okay, let's go. They had two sons and they went on down there and they stayed. The Bible tells us after just a little while, Elimelech died, passed away. And that left Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws or her her two sons, actually, and the sons ended up marrying Moabite women, all right? One was Orpha, 
And the other one was Ruth. How many of you ever heard of Ruth? Okay, a few of you, okay. Y'all <laughs> Maybe we should have told the story. Anyways, as we go back through here, we see where after just about 10 years, I guess, the sons even died off. So that left Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. All right, here they were, three women. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And how many of you know that when those situations come along, you start making other decisions? Well, do I really want to stay here? Do I want to go back to where family is at, back in Bethlehem? What do I do? And so Naomi had made up her mind. It's time that, for me to go back and be with my family. But you two girls, listen, you, y'all need to get married again. You need to find you some husbands. Stay here in Moab and, and uh, remarry. But one of those two daughter-in-laws, she must have had a heart after her mother-in-law, okay? She must have cared. She must have saw a godly counsel there. She must have saw where, uh, hey, things have been going pretty good for Naomi. And, and so I want to, you know, I love her and I care about her. And so I want to go. And so she went back to her mother-in-law and said, listen, you're going to go. I'm going to go with you. And Naomi said, no, 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 no. You girls need to stay right here. Everything's going to be good. But Ruth said, nope, that's not it. And over in the 16th verse of Ruth chapter 1, it said this, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. For where thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Since about the 80s that I know of, a lot of people have used that scripture when they go to get married, right? The women say, okay, I'm going wherever you're going. All right, but here was a commitment that Ruth had made to her mother-in-law. She said, it don't matter. She said, yeah, I know I could just hang around here and get married, but uh, you know, I'd rather go with you. You've made some wise decisions over the years, and you've been a good mother-in-law to me, and so I'm going to stick with you, okay? And I'll take care of you. Everything will be good. Finally, Naomi said, yeah, well, come on, we're going to go. And so we see here, look here, no job, no, no support, no nothing. And they went ahead and took off to Bethlehem. But we see that when they got there, that there was a near kinsman. There was a, a family member there who was kin to her husband. And that family member was Boaz. Anybody remember Boaz? Okay. And as they got there, and the way the custom was in that day, and you can look out here at the strawberry fields, and you see how they grow the strawberries. And then after they get everything picked pretty much that they want, there's still some strawberries left on there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And sometimes they'll go out there and spray them. They say, do not eat. But here, in that day and time, they said, you know, for those people who don't have anything to eat, they can't afford anything, whatever, they left the outskirts of the field so that they could go and eat. Hands full on purpose even, okay? And I've kind of probably got ahead of myself there because Boaz, once he started looking out over his fields and he's seeing some people he don't recognize, Naomi and Ruth and some others out there, and he says, I don't know who they are, but anyway, and he started asking around, and he found out who they were. And then he started telling his servants, listen, when you go out there and you start gleaning out of the field, he said, leave hands full on purpose. Leave a little bit for them. Take care of them, all right? So as we go on through the story here, we see that, that Ruth began, or Boaz went up to her and started talking to her, found out who she was and, and why she was there and, and so on. And as the story goes, I'm going to just 
kind of cut this one short a little bit. As the story goes here, we see that Naomi ended up, not Naomi, Ruth ended up marrying Boaz, okay? Now, the one thing about it, Boaz was a wealthy man, okay? Now, she could have decided to stay down there in Moab and find somebody, whatever, but instead, by following godly counsel and, and reaching out and taking care of her mother-in-law and this sort of thing, she made a wise decision. And because of it, you see what she ended up with, okay? She was well taken care of. You know something else that I thought was pretty neat was this. If you go back and you look through the genealogy of Jesus... You go back and you find out. Anybody ever heard of a man named David? King David? Yes? No? Okay. Some of you looking. Okay. Anyway, we find out that Ruth was the great-grandmother to David. Isn't that amazing? Because of her decision, what she did, she ended up being in the lineage of David and in the lineage of Christ. Amazing. Wow. You ever made a decision and it turned out better than you thought? Huh? The decision turned out a lot better than you could even dream. And yet that's what we see here with Ruth. She would have never dreamed that she would have been in this particular situation. But because of the decision that she made, it was a good decision. She ended up better off. Let me ask you this. We've already asked you if you made bad decisions or made a real good decision. But have you ever made a decision and you realize that without the wisdom of God, you would have never made it? Hmm? You know, ooh, I thought I was going to go this particular way, but, you know, the Lord tended to, you know, direct me a different way. And I'm so glad He did because I would have really messed up royally. Okay? Every one of us have kind of been in these situations one time or another. But this morning I want to take you over to the New Testament in Acts chapter 27. And we see here... Paul had been out preaching and been declaring that Jesus is the Son of God and all these things. And I, and I kind of give you the references and I hope you just jot them down perhaps and we'll go back and reread the story because I want to wet your taste you know, buds there and I want you to, to, to get into it. But we see in chapter 27 here where Paul was before King Agrippa. And boy, he must have really preached a sermon because Agrippa said to him, Remember what he said? He said, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. But it went on and we see where King Agrippa comes in there and he says, you know, uh, I don't find anything worthy of us keeping him in jail. I don't see, let's let him go. But Paul stepped up and said, oh no, you're not getting off that easy. He said, I want to go to Caesar." I want to see the big guy. I want to go to Caesar. And we see here that finally Agrippa said, okay, he wants to go see Caesar. He can go see Caesar. He's a Roman citizen too, so let him go. Well, back then they didn't have Greyhound and they didn't have Amtrak and they didn't have Delta Airlines or anything else. And the only way he was going to get over there to see Caesar was by ship. Okay? I'm not talking about one of these big cruise ships. I'm not talking about some of these big things that's well put together. They had wooden ships back then, and I guess they did all right because that's all they had. But we see here that after he was on that ship for three days, all of a sudden a storm came up. It got pretty rough. It got pretty rough, so much so that the men began to throw off their supplies, 
their equipment, all these things, because it was rough. You ever watched any of these things on TV where these big old ships are there and the water's coming up over the bow? And oh man, there ain't no way. Let me keep my feet on solid ground, you know. <laughs> and so we go back through here and we see that things really got rough. And the men were getting to be afraid there. All right? And it wasn't just a few men. The Bible tells us there was 276 men on board that day. All right, And he goes on to tell us that after 14 days, now 11 days they had been going through this storm, and it was pretty bad. But the angel of the Lord had already talked to Paul and said, Paul, this is what's going to take place. He said, I want you to stay on the ship. You've got a divine appointment with Caesar. You're not going to die. You're going to live. Y'all are going to make it through this. Isn't it nice when the Lord gives you ahead of time what's going to take place? You know, don't worry about it. Fear not. Everything is good. He says, now the ship's going to be lost. Oh, no. Lord, can't you work this thing out? Let us just get into port and everything be fine. The angel said, the ship's going to be lost. But if you'll stay on this ship through the whole time, you'll live. He says, and actually nobody's going to die if they stay on the ship. Wow. Sometimes when things get rough and times don't go quite like we wanted, sometimes we're ready to jump ship too, aren't we? <laughs> you ever been there? Think, oh, man, I am just so ready. Get me off of this thing. And so we see here that when the 14th day came, there were men that were getting ready to jump ship. They were ready to get off. And Paul said, wait, hold it, fellas. I already told you the angel of the Lord spoke to me and said, if you'll stay on this ship, we won't lose not one person. Not one. Now get this. Paul was a prisoner. Okay? He was a prisoner. He wasn't one of the guards. He was one of the prisoners on there. And yet the guy that was guarding him said, You know something? I like Paul. And I believe what he has to say. And so they took off the little shackles and whatever they had on. And we see here that the men began to see land out there. And they said, You know something? This is our chance. Let's just jump ship. Let's go. We see some land. Paul said, remember, don't get off the ship. Stay here. Stay here. Wait. But the men saw the land and they went and they took that ship and they started to run it aground. And when they did, it started falling apart. And they said, everybody, jump. If you know how to swim, get on out there. Get to the land. Those that didn't know how to swim took boards from the ship and they got to the land. They didn't jump ship. They waited till the Lord said, it was time. It's time. Now get off and go. The Bible tells us they didn't lose one. The Lord had already told them, if you'll stay there. You know, the ship, the ship, the wisdom, all right, through all this. Amazing. Wow. Brother Gary, that's all good and well, but what about me? (laughs) You know, I've got decisions I've got to make. Even this week. There's decisions, whether it's to uh, look at property, whether it's to go to school, whether, whatever it is out there, to buy a car, to go to a new job, whatever. What am I going to do with my kids? What am I going to do about this one or that one? What am I going to do about family situations or neighborhood situations? What am I going to do? But the Lord says, that's okay. Going back to the text this morning, 55 verse uh, 6, where it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Now is the time. Don't wait to, you know, they tell you, oh, when times get rough, you take a rope and you tie a knot in the end and you hang on for dear life and so on. But 
Sometimes your hands feel like they're fixing to slide off that knot. <laughs> oh my, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. But the Lord is already saying, call on me now. Seek my face. See what I've got to do. Because I will take care of you. Matter of fact, James chapter 1 verse 5 says this. It says, if any of you lack wisdom. Anybody need wisdom? Hmm? Anybody? Even that businessman realized he needed some wisdom. Everything he learned, his experience from bad mistakes and so on. What are we going to do? Are we going to have to go through that? Hopefully we learn from other people's mistakes so we don't have to go through some of that same thing. But we look here and it says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. Now I told you I use King James, but that word upbraideth means that he's not withholding any good thing. All right? He says, hey, I will give you wisdom. I want you to know. I want you to learn. And he says, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not hiding it over here, you know, while I give you a little bit here and there. I will give it to you if you need wisdom. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. No matter what that decision is this morning, you made a decision to get up and come to church. That was a good decision. All right? At least I hope you feel like it was a good decision because to me it was. God is faithful in everything that He has promised and He won't let you down. He won't let you down. But there's one other decision this morning. And if I can say anything, it's the most important decision that you'll ever make. If you haven't already made it, it's a decision that you need to make. For the Bible tells us that none of us are going to get out of this world alive unless we go by way of the rapture. Okay? <laughs> And the thing is this, that we have to make a choice as to where we're going to live in all eternity. The Bible tells us that we all have a soul. It's the real you. Oh, man, don't I look good on the outside? Or, oh, look at all this stuff here. But God don't care about that because He looks on the heart. He looks on the inside. And I'm not used to that, Mike. So anyway, but as we go back through, we see here that God looks at the real you, what's in here. And the Bible tells us that our soul is going to live forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Wow. Some of you said, you know, some, I feel like I've lived a long time. I'm kind of getting old. And everybody who knows me, you're not old till you hit a hundred. <laughs> you're not old till you hit a hundred. And I don't know anybody in here that's made it that way, so you're not old. But what I'm saying is this, even if you've lived 80 years or 90 years, sometimes you think, oh man, I've lived a long time on this earth. Whew, I tell you what, and I've had to make decisions and all these different things. But you know something, even the, if you live to be 100, that does not compare with eternity. Because eternity never ends. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. Okay? But we'll, where will you spend eternity? This morning, where will you spend eternity? Because there won't be any do-overs. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. All right? Once you draw your last breath and they lay you out straight, that's it. You've made your decision. Well, Brother Gary, I didn't make a decision. Yes, you did. If you didn't make a decision for Christ, you made one against Christ. Okay? Your time is now. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And so this morning, 
I want to throw that out to you too. Making good and bad decisions in this world, yeah, it's going to affect you and it may affect your family and different ones around you, okay? But there's going to be there's one decision that's going to affect you foremost and it will change you, okay? Whether you accept or reject Jesus. Oh, Brother Gary, you just don't know. I've made some bad decisions in this life, and oh, it's been rough, it's been tough, and even and I'm having to live with the consequences. You know, there are consequences to our actions, whether they be good or bad or whatever. But you know something? Jesus loved you so much that he made a decision. Jesus had to make a decision. Yeah. Remember when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane? And he was there and he prayed and he prayed and he sought God. And he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't just, oh, Father, you know, let it pass. You know, can't we do something different? The Bible tells us that he was in such duress over this thing and meant so much business with his heavenly Father that it was like he was sweating great drops of blood. But you know something? Each and every one of us were here. We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. And a couple verses after that, it tells us this. He says, but Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I am so glad. (laughs) Because we would have been lost. We wouldn't have been having to make this decision because we would have all been lost and spent eternity in hell, which is what the Bible tells us. But it goes on to tell us that Even though we deserved hell and we didn't deserve heaven, we didn't deserve to spend eternity with Him, all right, that He loved us that much. But God commended His love toward us, Romans 5, 8. But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, unloving, hateful, all these other things, Christ died for us because He loved us. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. We go on, it says in chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, everybody wants a big paycheck, right? Okay? But do you always want what you've earned and what you've deserved? Hmm? I'm so glad that the Lord didn't give me what I deserved a lot of times. But He gave me the other part. And the last part of that verse says this, But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, the gift... Now, come Christmas time, you don't have to go up there and beg for that gift. You know, you may see it underneath the tree. But it's free. It's free. It's what God has given us. And He says, all you got to do is accept it. Isn't that amazing? Any of you turned down Christmas presents or birthday presents? <laughs> but here we go. Yeah, we don't turn down presents very often or maybe never at all. But the thing that God has promised to each and every one that is so dear that we will get the benefit from is accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And all we, uh, even though we deserved it. But Romans 8.1 said this, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Wow. What does that mean to you? Does that mean anything to you? If anything, this morning, people ought to be shouting, just praising God, even go home this afternoon and just praise Him. Because now that thing that we were condemned, okay, it was a death penalty. It, 
Life is terminal. Okay, it was there. But as we go back through and we see what Christ did for each and every one of us, the decision that he made, and then it fell back on us as to our decision. And this morning, I don't know where you stand with the Lord. I look out and I see most of you, and I believe, hey, they've already accepted Christ. But, you know, the Lord had me keep going back to this same message. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Somebody here has a decision to make. And yet this morning, I'm here to tell you that make that decision for Christ. Make that decision for Christ. Brother Gary, I've got so many other decisions i got to make. i got so much weighing down on me, you wouldn't believe. I ain't got time to make that decision. And Jesus is saying, I'm right here for you. Cast all your care on me because I care for you. I care for you. Don't you get it? I care for you. Sometimes when our parents would tell us, oh, but just listen to me. You're old fogey. Nobody ever did that, right? You know, oh, I'm not going to listen to you. I, I, I can make my own decisions. I'm old enough. You ever seen that bumper sticker that said, I wish all of life's problems hit me while I was a teenager and knew everything? Okay. <laughs> and yet, sometimes we get to that same thing. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I can do this. But I tell you what, it's going to take Jesus Christ to get you to the other side. It's going to take Jesus Christ to get you to the other side. And in this life, when you have decisions that you've got to make, go back. Lord, you said here that if I needed wisdom, you'd help me? Lord, I need it. I need a double portion of your wisdom. I need all of this that you can give me. Matter of fact, just hold my hand the whole way. Just hold my hand the whole way. I don't want to go to the right or to the left. I don't want to make a mistake. Anybody like making mistakes? Hmm. You ever tore into a car engine or something, and then all of a sudden, you ooh, I got leftover parts, okay? <laughs> or you went to make that cake, and all of a sudden you said, hmm, something ain't right here. Oh, I left out the milk. <laughs> I left this out or that out. You know, all these things, some of those you can survive and you'll get past. But when the time comes and you draw that last breath, you better know right where you stand better know right where you stand because there won't be another opportunity. Musicians, singers, amen. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1 and 9 that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, you don't know how great that is. All you got to do is ask. I've talked to those that are saved this morning and I said, hey, we know how to make the right decisions or who to go to when we need to make those tough decisions. But I'm also talking about those that still need to make the decision for Christ. And every one of us in here, one way or the other, we have to go by way of the cross. There's no sidestepping it. There's no trying to get here or there or yonder. But folks, it's a serious decision. Maybe you're here this morning and you said, you know, I accepted Christ years ago, but my life just ain't quite there. And I'm not so sure if I'd make it or not if I passed on today. Folks, recently we've had three of our brothers and sisters pass on. And we know where they're at this morning because of the decisions that they made. They love God. They proved it. They they told about it. They shouted about it. Everything. Because they know. And this morning we know without a shadow of a doubt where they are. But what about your life? And if you go and look through your heart and through your life and you say, Brother Gary, 
I want to know that I'm going to be ready. I want to know that I'm going to be ready. You can make that decision this morning. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've talked to you about three different things. And actually four if you get down to it. I've talked about the bad decisions and consequences to that. I've talked to you about good decisions and how you benefit from that. I've talked to you about the wisdom that only God can give. And then our own decisions. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know which category you fit in. You say, Brother Gary, I've got some decisions I've got to make even this week. This week, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect my future. I've got to make the right decision. I cannot afford to make the wrong decision. And I cannot afford to have to suffer consequences. I need that wisdom. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up and slip it right back down. I just, I have a decision I've got to make. Yes, I see that hand and I see that hand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. I can't afford to make a mistake on this. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Brother Gary, I hadn't accepted Jesus, but with what you're telling me, I'm going to be lost without Him. I want to make that decision this morning for Him. I want Him to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you just slip? I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up? Slip it right back down. Anybody this morning? Don't walk out of here. If you're needing Jesus, don't walk out of here this morning without making that decision. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to make sure you make it to heaven. Praise God, for God is faithful. Is there anyone? I'm not one who's been long on altar calls. I give you an opportunity, and it's up to you. But I want you to make the right choice and the right decision. Praise God. Hallelujah. As they pray this morning, those that you want us to pray with you about the decisions that you've got to make, if you would, just make your way on down here to the front. We're going to pray with you, and we're going to seek God's wisdom for you. And if you're here, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, you said, Brother Gary, I, I still need to accept Christ. Will you come on down with them too? And this morning, we're going to pray with you. All right? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for your word this morning, Lord, and that you, that you love us. Lord, I pray this morning that these that need to make decisions, I pray that you'd lead them, that you'd guide them and direct them. For these that need you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would stand up and they would step out. And Lord, for we give you praise and glory and honor. This morning, those of you that raised your hand, come on down and let's pray for you. If you've got another decision or, or something and you want to spend time with God, why don't you come on around the altars? Okay? Some people think it's only for those that need to accept Christ. And if you say, well, I can't get up and walk, well, how about making an altar right where you're at? Right where you're at. Because the Lord can still hear you. But we'd like to pray with you. Amen.